0: Hi there. Welcome to the Woman Inspired Podcast. I'm Karen. I'm so glad you joined me. I hope that you can hear me today. This is one of those days I'm having all kinds of technical issues, but I'm praying over it. I'm praying over this technology and that God will be right in the middle of it. So hang on if you hear a little pause. It's either my brain making me pause or it's the technology, but all will be well. I have faith. Okay, so today's podcast is called Fast and Loose. Yeah, I know. I'm sure that kind of raised some eyebrows, but that's okay. Hang in there with me again. Thank you for joining me. You can find me out on Instagram at one woman inspired. That's the number one followed by woman inspired, or just Google my name and Instagram. That's Karen McCracken and uh, you'll find me. I'd love it if you would hop on out there and follow me and please share this podcast with somebody who you think would, would really benefit from it. And even if you don't think they benefit from it, share it anyway. We're supposed to share, right? (laughs) I appreciate it. Okay. So back to fast and loose. Um, I start every podcast with a pod quote, sometimes more than one quote, and I'm going to do that today. All right. So here we go. I have no idea who said these quotes. I'd like to attribute people, uh, with what they've said, if at all possible, but I have no idea who said these things, even though I looked it up. So I'm just going to say it to it yet. Anyway, ready? Here's the first one. Our relationship with God in prayer should look like a consuming addiction in our lives, not a convenient addition to our lives. I love that. I'm going to say it again. Our relationship with God in prayer should look like a consuming addiction in our lives, not a convenient addition to our lives. All right. And here's the other quote I'd like to share with you. One day, all of our praying and all of our fasting in pursuit of God will culminate in the goal of our salvation, everlasting, uninterrupted, uninhibited, unimaginable, indescribable, all satisfying communion with God. Isn't that what we all long for? What we hope for the, the idea. And if you don't, I pray that you will long and hope for that. as you grow in the Lord, um, An everlasting, uninterrupted, uninhibited, unimaginable, indescribable, all-satisfying communion with God. I want that so much. Um, Okay, so fast and loose. Here we go. One time I I was in a prayer group and we decided that we would fast. Particularly um, with something in mind that we were all praying about and fasting for, which was the future of our country, um, the United States of America, and focusing on leadership, our democracy, and making sure that our rights to worship the Lord freely would be protected. Because as time goes on, more and more of these rights are being stripped away in other countries as well as in our own. So As we were discussing fasting, I realized that we all had different ideas of what freedom meant and what levels of freedom we were each talking about since we were focusing on the freedoms in our country. Part of that conversation included a bit of a disconcerting realization for me. I realized that a colleague of mine, because this was a work um, prayer group, Um, I I realized that a colleague of mine believed that religious freedom should only extend to Christians. She believed that no one anywhere should be allowed to practice, research, or profess another religion, period. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Now, in a utopian perfect world, we would all already know Jesus, and we would all realize that he is the way, the truth, and the life, just like the word says. In, if we all come to him, we will be saved and set free. Um, but we don't live in utopia. There would be no need for laws to protect religious freedoms in a utopia or laws, um, that others might want to impose to force people to believe the way that they think in a utopian life, but we don't live in a utopian life. Uh, So just her viewpoint on it, just, it, it really shocked me because We live in a country that was founded by people who had to fight for religious freedom. So part of that beauty of living in the United States is having the freedom to worship as we feel led and it not be mandated that we have to do one thing or another because someone else says that's how we have to believe. The founding fathers fled Europe for that very reason. Because they were seeking this religious freedom. So as I prayed about this discussion we'd had over all this, I realized that as we all fasted this group with a supposed common goal and in supposed agreement, we actually weren't all fasting and praying for a common goal or in agreement because we had different ideas about what this meant. We had one person who was fasting and praying for a, basically a dictatorship of sorts to happen where people were forced to worship the God she wants them to worship in the way that she wants them to. And granted, I believe in the same Lord as she, but I didn't believe in what she was talking about. It didn't sit well with me. So as I fasted through this time period, every time I sought God, I became distracted with this thought and this realization that this person had um, what I felt was a distorted view of freedom of religion and what we should be praying for. And so I started to harbor negative thoughts towards her and feel a lot of angst every time I thought about the whole fasting process we were supposed to go through. Besides the fact that she didn't understand that God gives us free will to choose him, to accept him or reject him. She also didn't understand the concept of praying in one accord, in agreement. You know, the Lord wants us to choose him. He could have made it where we had no choice but to know him. But he wants us to come to him because we want to come to him. Who wants someone to love them because you're forced to love them? Who wants someone to be a part of your life because they're forced to be a part of your life? You want someone to want you because they want you and to love you because they just love you and seek you out because they want to seek you out, right? Nobody wants to feel rejected. Well, we were made in God's image. I'm sure that he does not like being rejected. It hurts. It just does. Um, you know, I have a lot of rejection in my life. I'm sure all of you do too. And when it comes from people who are supposed to love you, um, and embrace you, it's really, it's a type of pain that is hard to let go of. It's hard to loosen it from you. You know, we're talking about fast and loose. It's hard to let go of it and, and feel free from it. Um, but God wants us to choose him the way we want to be chosen. Um, He wants us to love him the way we want to be loved. And so the fact that this woman who is a Christian didn't understand that you can't force someone to love someone else. You can't force someone to truly embrace and believe in God. You just can't. Um, And when you do, that's not freedom. And that's certainly not what the Lord uh, gave us. Um, There's freedom in knowing him. There's freedom in having salvation. There's freedom in knowing you're forgiven. There's freedom in having the free will to choose God and to love him and desire him and desire his presence in your life. And so I let this whole idea and issue with her um, just stick in my craw big time, and it totally derailed my fasting time and my fasting experience throughout this time. Basically, it just, my fasting was for naught. I mean, there was just no reason to even be doing it, even though I was going through the motions. Because, let's just say this, fasting is no fun. I mean, it really isn't. Because let me tell you, it's not always easy. When you fast, you're supposed to give up, typically, in a lot of people give up food and drink. And biblically and traditionally speaking, in a religious sense, that's what people gave up. This is what many people in the Bible did. Jesus did it as well, fasted, 40 days, 40 nights. Um, When he was tempted by Satan, he fasted. He drew strength from the Father during this time to continue to say no to Satan. Luke 4, 1-4 says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. So Jesus was able to commune with the father and garner this strength while he fasted in order to say no to Satan. Um, you know, Satan wanted him to just say, no, I'm not going to die on the cross and no, I don't have to live this, this life that the father wants me to Satan has something better for me. But Jesus, Jesus drew his strength from the father and through this fasting of 40 days and he knew. So you'll hear a lot of people talk about fasting for 40 days because they are um, doing what Jesus did. And I once heard a pastor say that fasting is feasting on fellowship with God. I love that. It's, it's stuck with me ever since I heard it. Fasting is feasting on fellowship with God. So when we fast, we release giving into a physical feast and embrace a spiritual feast. And that's kind of the way I've I've seen it for a long time. We, we have a physical, uh, fast, um, So we, we don't give into a physical feast, but we embrace a spiritual feast. And I love that because it's true, but it's more than fellowship too. It's about drawing closer to the Lord during that time. And it's about gaining strength and wisdom and insight. And sometimes it's about a personal plea and appeal to the Lord, sometimes for a specific purpose, like fasting for the future of our country and religious freedoms. And sometimes it's about fasting overall to draw closer to him in your relationship with the Lord and to seek his guidance, his strength in, in your life and on your journey. The Bible tells us that Nathan fasted, David fasted, Daniel fasted, Paul fasted, Matthew fasted, Paul and Barnabas prayerfully fasted while anointing all the elders in every church. And they dedicated each individual elder to the Lord for them to be wise and preach the gospel without false teachings. That's what they did. That's why they fasted and then they anointed the elders. And it says in Acts fourteen twenty three. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And they taught the elders to fast as well. So we must know from example alone that fasting is important and it works. Yet a lot of us know nothing about fasting or how to fast. It's a happy buzzword, but we really don't dig into what the heck does this mean? We might have a biblical idea of fasting in our heads, or maybe a skewed idea of fasting. I know I really didn't know much about fasting till about 10 years ago, or... A lot of us have a worldly idea about what fasting is. Heck, it's easy to have a worldly vision of fasting. I mean, if you think about how much you hear about fasting right now, it's everywhere TV, movies, online, social media. Only it has nothing to do with spiritual purposes and prayer, it has to do with weight loss and health. How many of you have heard over and over, at least in this last year, about intermittent fasting? Oh, I get so tired of hearing about it. I get it, it's a thing. Although really, it's not a new thing and it's not even really a thing. (laughs) I mean, come on people. When you declare, I'm doing intermittent fasting loud and proud on your social media and post pics of you working out with that, that is not about spiritual fasting. And when someone declares how proud they are that they fasted overnight, I I just keep thinking, what? This is an accomplishment to you that you went throughout the night without eating? I mean, how? How? did you actually sacrifice something? Are there that many people who are getting up in the middle of the night and eating every hour on the hour? And I've just never been aware of it. I don't get it because I personally know no one who does that except a little baby who has to be fed every few hours. I mean, I could definitely get on the bandwagon of this whole trend. Um, it's easy people. I could just proclaim, Oh, I fasted. After all, I fast every night from 8 PM till 10 AM the next day. That's a 14 hour daily fast. Look how great I am. Wow. Look at you. You go, Karen. What willpower I have. I didn't eat all night long because you know, actually I'm not hungry during that time period during my eight hours that I'm sleeping. I mean, how much willpower does that take? I could also say I intermittently fast all day long. I fast from 10:30 a.m. to 12:30 p.m., those 2 hours, and then I eat lunch. And then I fast from 1 p.m. till 6 p.m. and then I fa- eat dinner. Then I fast from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. and I have a snack. And then I fast from 8 p.m. till 10 a.m. the next morning when I eat something. Yeah. That's not fasting. That's called life. <laughs> That's called an eating schedule. that's just living your life, people. That's called breakfast, lunch, dinner, and a snack. That is not fasting. (laughs) All right. And then of course, we have the fasting that we hear about that involves protesting for a purpose. You don't hear as much about this anymore. You know, the Mahatma Gandhi ingrained vision of fasting that is in a lot of our heads from history or having witnessed it when he was fasting, depending on your age. Of course, That depends on your age and whether or not you learn basic history, which I'm not so sure they do in school these days or not. Naive as I am, I thought that those who are in school or at least those who are 30 years old and younger would be taught about Gandhi and those 30 and up would naturally already know who Gandhi was. Okay, boy, was I wrong. So let me just preface this following scenario with a little brief uh, doesn't do him justice blurb on who Gandhi is. Okay. So, but Gandhi was an amazing man with, he had really high principles. He was Indian, a lawyer, a political activist, and he fought and protested for nonviolent protesting for religious freedoms within the country of India and for India to have independence from British rule during his time. He was really proactive in his fasting. Um, He felt like that was a way to protest, but also a way to connect spiritually um, in his religion. So he urged the the Pakistani people, the Hindu and the Muslims, to settle their differences without violence. And that was his whole mantra. He was seen as a religious icon in in his day and a great motivator of peace in his time. And he really did, besides his words um, and his prayer life and his fasting... He moved people to stop being violent. He fasted uh, 17 different, different times. I looked this up. He's fasted 17 different times for peace between religions. That's all religions. But specifically, he was talking about the Hindus and the mu- Muslims um, in his day and in, in India and across Pakistan. And at one point, he fasted for 21 days straight. Can you even imagine? That's no food or water. 21 days straight. That's someone who is coming at it, not from a a biblical um, perspective, not from in biblical times either, but more modern day, earth-walking, activist, living, peace-minded man who is able to fast for 21 days straight. Now, that kicks butt over any intermittent 12-hour fast, people. (laughs) I won't eat while I snore kind of a, a, a thing. It's not really fasting, all right? So Gandhi, he fasted on and off all the way up until his death when he was actually shot and killed in the midst of a peaceful protest. Um, very sad, very ironic, very horrific. And there have been movies, books, TV shows, and podcasts talking about Mahatma Gandhi since he died in 1948. Um, his thoughts and ideas on peace um, on peace um, with his people, it's still very relevant today. So, ahem. <clears throat> Again, naive as I am apparently, I thought maybe just about everyone knows who Gandhi is. No, he's not a Christian, but he was a good man and even a great man um who promoted peace and religious freedom. So, I I really was wrong though. Uh, apparently not everyone knows who Gandhi is. So not long ago I was in the grocery store and I was checking out um and the cashier said to me, "Wow, are you a vegetarian?" I told her, no, I'm not a vegetarian. I'm just working really hard to eat more veggies. Hence the mounds of heaps of green leafy veggies and fruits that I was buying at the time. I told her that I'm on a quest to feel better and just get healthier. And she said she was on a quest to lose weight. And she was doing intermittent long-term fasting. And so I had to ask her, what was intermittent long-term fasting? And she said that she would fast for three days that she would only drink fluids and no eating for three days. So she was fasting for three days and then would eat for two days, fast for three days, eat for two days. And I said, wow, I I fast for spiritual reasons here and there, but long-term fasting like that is not for me. I am not Gandhi and I won't pretend to be. And I laughed and she and I both actually laughed over it. So then the 20-something gal who was bagging the groceries said, what is Gandhi. I said, you know, Mahatma Gandhi, I can't do that intense Mahatma Gandhi thing. I don't have the willpower or the strength. And she said, oh, oh yeah, yeah. All it takes is practice. That's no harder than any other dance. You just practice it on the Wii. <laughs> I'm not kidding people. I had to look it up. I just had, I just looked to the cashier, like what? I'm sure my eyes were big. I just shook my set head and said, thank you. And I went on my way with my groceries because I didn't know what to say. Um, I, I, but I did, I looked it up later. The Mahatma Gandhi is not a dance. <laughs> I just had to make sure someone didn't make up a dance called the Mahatma Gandhi. It is not a dance and it is not something you can practice on the Wii. but apparently this gal thought it was. So anyway, again, naive. I thought perhaps Mahatma Gandhi and fasting and protests and stuff were being taught in school. Apparently not. Or this girl missed that week. Um, But anyway, so fasting, what the heck is it really? It is not a dance. Um, Fasting that I'm talking about is basically when a Christian eliminates things from their diet for a particular amount of time to focus only on the Lord, prayer, and scripture, You know, a lot of people fast for a particular reason, as I said before, or a purpose, or fast over a particular prayer request, like asking the Lord for an answer to something in their life and some guidance, or for uh, um, injustice in the world that's going on, or healing for someone, guidance on a particular issue. But many people fast in general for spiritual connection with the Lord, to purposely make that extra time without distraction to focus on the Lord and his presence. So when a follower of Christ fasts, they really they rely on the Lord to uh, fill them up with the Holy Spirit as they eliminate other things that they were filling up with. Now in biblical times, again, this was food and water. But think for a minute about what you fill up on. Is it just food and water? Could it also be things we fill our senses with or our time with, like TV, social media, racing novels, movies, uh, I mean, some people fill up with pornography, alcohol, drugs, maybe it's sports, gambling. It's not all unhealthy things that we fill up with either, right? It could be socializing or biking or boxing or hiking or dancing or music. By taking food and drinks and activities, other things that we feed ourselves with or indulge in out of our daily diet for a time period, like certain TV shows, um, that, social media, YouTube, Facebook, sex, or maybe even certain foods that we eat more of or like more than other things like Starbucks, coffee, uh, chocolate, soda, meat, dessert. By taking those things out, we free up time, money, and attention that we could then give over to the Lord. That would be something that if you gave it up, it would be like a sincere sacrifice to you. Some people might consider having to give up their coffee every morning, a sincere sacrifice. I'm sure they would have the physical and mental effects from it. Um, What could you leave out of your daily food diets and intellectual diets that would cause you to pause, to actually feel like it's a sacrifice? Maybe it is a TV show, maybe it is social media, maybe it's Facebook, maybe it's Um, maybe it is sex. Maybe it's something indulgent that you really shouldn't be doing in the first place, but because you're so attached and addicted to it, it is a sacrifice to give it up. A fasting Christian can take that time and energy that he or she would have been eating, drinking, or doing that thing and use that time and energy instead to focus on Jesus, to meditate, um, to read the word, to be still, be quiet, worship, praise to read the Bible and and just pray and talk to the Lord. So I think if we take and we look at it just in increment by increment, if you think for just a minute of all the time you spend cooking a meal or grocery shopping, eating, going out to dinner and ordering, socializing over food, and if you decided to fast from food for a day or let's say even two days, what would that look like? okay, besides the hunger pains and the drooling that might occur um, when you see someone else eat, what would the time look like that you would normally partake of these foods or or these drinks or these activities? What if you did do this and you took those times and instead you you prayed or you sought God or you read the Bible, you lifted up a burden or a person or a need or a desire to the Lord? So in the time period that I would be normally cooking dinner, what if I go and I sit and I pray and I read my Bible or the time that I would take grocery shopping, um, or the, the time that I would take to have a dessert, I focus on the Lord instead, or the time that I would have spent sitting for 35, 45 minutes scrolling through Instagram and watching videos. What if I dedicate that time to the Lord, whether it's worship and praise, whether it's being still or taking a walk or getting down on my face and praying or, um, just focusing on the Lord. So this is what fasting is like. And you'll hear people a lot of times during um, Lent, they give up. Um, that's that time before Easter, before we hit um, Easter weekend. Um, to celebrate the death and the resurrection of of Jesus, where they will give up certain things. And it used to be that it was just food or it was just a certain type of food. But a lot of people now, you hear hear them, they'll give up things like social media or TV or movies or desserts or caffeine or something like that and something specific. Again, everyone has something that they think um, in their lives is more of a sacrifice than it would be to someone else. And this is what I'm talking about. Um, So is fasting from every meal for one or two more days in a row a tough thing? Absolutely. I have fasted for three days before and regularly fast um, for 24 hours. By regularly, I mean like once a month I'll fast Um, I used to fast every single Tuesday. My schedule is really crazy and different now and I need a little bit more energy and I don't have the time to dedicate um, to that because my work schedule is different now. But I used to fast every, actually from Monday night until Tuesday night when we had a Bible study group with my women's group. And I would fast that time period. I would have water, but I wouldn't eat anything else. But I spent a lot of that time because I had the ability to in prayer and in reading my Bible and doing Bible study research and in worship and in, um, praising God. So I don't have that same schedule anymore, but that's what I used to do. But I will still spend regularly 24 hours fasting for spiritual reasons, You know, not like just when I'm going to have a colonoscopy and I don't want to eat anything for a few days in advance to make the whole preparation easier. (laughs) I'm just saying. And I'm not, but but, you know, I'm never really sorry about when I fast, even though it is difficult. And I often fast from other things. Um, I might fast for weeks or a month from some form of social media. In fact, I really was overwhelmed a few years back and I decided to fast from social media most specifically Facebook. Um, but I, I decided to fast from it for 30 days. I ended up not being on it for three and a half years and it didn't bother me at all. It was wonderful. Um, and so it can have a greater effect in your life than you think, not just with your relationship with the Lord, but the way he helps you to see the world and he helps you to see how you're actually spending your time, your money, your energy, what you're putting into your body. Um, And that's just my experience, but I think uh, if you talk to other people, they've probably had similar experiences. So every time I'm tempted to reach for the thing that I agreed in my heart to fast from, I say a prayer, not just a, Oh Lord, help me not to want, um, this piece of chocolate or, or this cake or this to get on social media. Um, But a come to me, Lord, kind of envelop me. Let me worship you. Guide me. I need you type of prayer. And then I really try hard to hush up and listen. So back to the disconcerted, angry feelings that I had over the colleague who was not fasting and praying in agreement with the rest of us. I let my concern over her and my frustration over her viewpoint get to me so much, again, that I didn't properly fast. I pretty much spin my wheels, spinning my wheels and um, giving it all lip service. That was totally my fault. I chose to let it get to me rather than let it go. And that issue had a grip on me so tight that, again, I didn't really fast the way that I was supposed to. And when I did, I wasn't praying like I was supposed to. So I ended up not praying in agreement with others, which was part of the problem I had with her in the first place was she was not praying in agreement because I was too distracted to not even pray properly. And what I learned from this was that before we fast or as we fast, and, and a lot of times as a result of fasting we have to let things go. We have to loosen them from us. We have to, to make them lose their grip on us. Hence the title of the podcast, Fast and Loose. The Bible says in Matthew sixteen nineteen, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And Matthew eighteen eighteen says, truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, we're, we're being told more than once in Matthew. I, and I pretty much walked away from Jesus for a minute to sit down in my own, own self-righteousness um, in my attitude, knowing that I was right and knowing that my colleague was wrong. And so I sat in that rather in the pres- than in the presence of God. I'm going to repeat that because I kind of stuttered a whole lot there. During this time period, instead of letting it loose, I bound it to me. I bound it in my heart. I held on to it. So I walked away from Jesus for a minute to kind of sit in my own self-righteous attitude over it, knowing that I was right and that my colleague was wrong. And so I sat in that instead of sitting in the presence of God. Ugh, not smart, huh? And it's hard to admit, but it's true. That's what I did. I wasted precious time. I'm sure the Lord was convicting me the whole time and letting me know that what I was binding to my heart, what I was holding onto like glue, holding two pieces of paper together, that it needed to be loosened. And the Bible talks about being loosed. Not lucid, but lucid. Not L-U-C-I-D as in mentally aware, although we should be lucid as well as letting some things and thoughts and attitudes loose too. It's talking about things being loose. Joel 2, 12 through 13 says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. After that non-fasting, self-centered frustration I had at my co-worker, I had to truly fast to really let things go. Just just for me, for God, for me to be able to have the strength to let it go, I had to go to him and fast so that I could let loose of these things. I had to fast, and I had to weep, and I had to mourn in regret over my attitude and my judgment of someone else so that I wouldn't carry it forward in my life so that I wasn't holding on to things in my heart that I should let loose of no no situation no person is worth it sometimes we have to do that we have to seek him even more so that we can let things loose from our lives it could be people it could be attitudes and judgments um preconceived ideas, situations, things that we've done that we regret, I guarantee you it can all make a difference in the world as to how you feel in your relationship with the Lord. It it makes every difference in the world. How you move forward and how much you can move forward is really dependent on what you attach to yourself, what you attach to, what you bind to your heart and how heavy you feel and, and what you let loose. So what you can let go of, what you can prune back, what you can cut off um, from your life that you don't need to be carrying, what you can let loose, oh my gosh, it, it makes such a huge difference in how free you feel in your relationship with the Lord. Fast and loosed. Fasting allows us to let things loose. Fasting helps us to bind things of God to our heart as he gives us this insight and wisdom and peace that can only come from connecting with him. Fasting helps express and deepen and confirms the resolution that we're ready to sacrifice anything, even ourselves, to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. And that's another quote, by the way. I'll read it again. It's from someone named Andrew Murray. Fasting helps express Deepen, confirm the resolution that we're ready to sacrifice anything, even ourselves, to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. And I think in in my opinion and in my experience, fasting helped me deepen and confirm the resolution that I was not just ready to sacrifice anything or even sacrifice myself, but sacrifice something that's even harder sometimes to sacrifice. And that's my own attitude and judgments of other people. So anyhow, that is my podcast today, Fast and Loose. I encourage you to seek out, um, does the Lord want you to fast from something, someone, uh, some food, some activity, something intellectual that you've been attached to? And what are those things that if you fast from them, you're not supposed to pick back up and have again? Pray about it. I hope you will. Thank you for tuning in today. I appreciate it. I hope you will um, share this podcast again. And if you want more information, um, you want me to come to an event of yours, find me. I'm out on womaninspired.com. Have a blessed day.